0: If you have your Bible, would you open it to John's Gospel, chapter 14? John's Gospel, chapter 14. Receiving the Word of God, we should receive it as a child. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, would you take a look at verse 1? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name so grateful for the work of the ministry and the work and the power of the Word of God. And we ask now that this sermon that you ministered to the disciples would penetrate our hearts. And if we're here for the very first time, listening to the story of the gospel, I pray that the welcome that they felt in walking in these doors would mimic the welcome of your arms beckoning them to heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I go... To prepare a place for you. This is the sermon that Jesus gave before the resurrection. And it's amazing to me, he spoke with such confidence. I go to prepare a place for you. He spoke with such boldness. There was no doubt, there was no concern in his voice. Though the disciples were filled with anxiety, he was communicating for, to them from a different perspective. You see, he had a heavenly perspective. I'm going to call it the resurrective perspective. It's an actual word. You can look it up at dictionary.com. It means related to the resurrection. You see, Jesus, he lived beyond the resurrection. He lived in the boldness and the courage to be able to communicate, I go to prepare a place for you because he had the resurrective perspective. Let me explain it like this. Have you ever been on top of a mountain? Or in an airplane? And when you're looking down at the 405, it seems like you can go from Orange County to Malibu in about three minutes because the 405 only looks about this long at 40,000 feet. But then when you get into the different perspective and you get on that highway, you're on it for 405 hours, not 15 minutes. It's a different perspective. And I wonder if you would, with me, for just a moment. Could we go back to the resurrection Sunday morning and imagine it from the resurrected perspective, from the perspective of heaven looking down? The women. The women are on their way to put spices on the body of Jesus to fulfill the tradition of spicing the body. But he's not there. And I wonder if Michael and Gabriel, they looked over to each other in heaven. You know, the archangel Michael and Gabriel, if they said, Oh, this is going to be good. Let's watch what happens when they see he's not there. In fact, I wonder if they leaned over and said, Okay, send that young heavenly man to give them the message that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the dead. Oh, I'm sure. As that angel left heaven to come down to earth, Heaven just shook and erupted, so much so that the earth shook, and the earth erupted, and the stone rolled away. The ladies, as they were shaking there on that land, they were frantic. They were nervous. They were filled with anxiety. What in the world is going on? It's amazing to me how surprised we are when God is God. Do you know that when he sneezes, a Cat 5 hurricane could be the result? Why are we amazed with God? The Romans, the two Roman soldiers are standing there so confident saying, we are Roman soldiers. Nobody will come to this tomb but God. And when the angels showed up, those Roman soldiers were stone cold in fear. And this apparent feel of control that they thought that they had had been rocked with the appearance of an angel. It's amazing this feel that we have that we're in control until some life circumstance comes in our way and makes us understand that we are more dependent on God than we give Him credit for. How much work did you do last night to keep your heart beating? This young man from heaven... He looks at the women and he says to them, don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. Well, Mary Magdalene, she hears this incredible proclamation and she runs to go tell Peter and John. Oh Michael he leans over in the heavens and he says to Gabriel oh I bet John will win this race he's a little bit younger than the old Peter classic he does and what's even more amazing is that John even lets us know in his gospel and the disciple whom Jesus loved beat Peter it's amazing the rivalry that existed when John got to the tomb first, he looked in and the Bible says he believed. He believed. But the Bible is silent on the Apostle Peter. The Bible doesn't say anything about what Peter believed or he didn't believe. It doesn't tell us where Peter was at in his heart. And I believe it was probably hasn't told us to protect him because Jesus had to show up to him personally later in the day to prove the resurrection, You see, we've got to decide. Do you want to be John or do you want to be Peter? Do you want to run to the tomb today and believe? And everybody knows, all of the world knows that John believes. Or do you want to be like Peter? And do you want to be a closet Christian? I don't even know that that exists. Where you're just kind of hiding and no one knows whether you're saved or not. Zach and I, we did a, a, a miniature—I don't know—it's if miniature or a mini or whatever—triathlon. It wasn't the big one; it was like a smaller one. Trust me, it was God's mercy on me that I made it through. And we were talking to two of the people that we would be competing against before the race. And as we were talking to them, I said, "I'm—you know—the classic question: What do you do?" I said, "I'm a pastor." Well. He looked at me and goes, you are? I'm sorry for everything that I just said. I don't know what it is on my forehead that as soon as people find out I'm a pastor, everything that they said prior to that, well, listen, I said to him, I go, I don't know if you know this, but like when I'm not around you, God is. So all of that foul language that you used earlier, like he heard you, right? (laughs) So the guy that I'm talking to, he goes, oh, you're a pastor? Well, I'm a Christian. And his friend looked at him and goes, you are? you got to decide, man. Are you going to be Peter or are you going to be John? Well, Peter and John run back to tell the disciples. And Mary Magdalene, probably following close behind, she's out of breath and she gets to the tomb and she's wondering, who stole the body of Jesus? I mean, she was there when Jesus was buried. He was buried in a man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. He was a prominent man. He was in the Sanhedrin, but he was a secret believer in Jesus. And he went to Pontius Pilate and he said, can I take the body? Imagine how brave and courageous this prominent Jewish man to walk to Golgotha, to climb up that tree and put the body of the dead Jesus on his back, bring him down from that cross and then lay him in that tomb and roll the stone over that tomb. Mary was right there. Mary watched the whole thing. Mary saw the tomb. She knew the man whose tomb that he lied in. And she saw and witnessed the event. She's wondering, not whether or not this is the tomb. She's wondering where is the body of Jesus. And then he appears. Oh. Heaven must have erupted. Imagine the perspective of heaven when Jesus for the first time introduces himself as the resurrected Lord to a human being. And Mary, she looks at Jesus and says, are you the gardener? I am sure that Michael leaned over to Gabriel at that point and said, are you serious? Like, (laughs) she can't see that this is Jesus? But I wonder, how many heavenly moments do we miss in our life? Our neighbor passes by and God's spirit begins to speak to you. Give him the gospel. Tell them about Jesus today. And nothing comes out of your mouth. We completely miss the God moment when the spirit is telling us, I want you to get up and I want you to go here and I want you to do that. Because of fear or trepidation or anxiety or depressed or despair. Wherever Mary was, she couldn't see the Lord. And I'm sure all of heaven was wondering, well, I wonder, how is he going to reveal himself? What's he going to do? Imagine the commotion that's going on in heaven. Now, I told you before, I'm a Bahamian. And let me tell you about our movie theaters. As a Bahamian, you do not go to the movie theater to watch the movie. You go to watch the Bahamians. Because when the Bahamians are watching a movie they get all involved as if the characters are like a living reality show. And you will see Bahamian women stand up and say, you better hit that boy, girl, because he done not hurt your feelings. <laughs> and then you'll see a guy get up and he'll start pacing in the aisle. Oh, if that was me, man, I would have punched him right in the face. And it's so entertaining to watch the Bahamians watch a movie. How I wish I would have been a fly on the wall, listening to heaven discuss how in the world was Jesus going to reveal himself. And he looks at her and says, Mary. I've heard that before. Because he called my name. He said, Chet. And I don't know what your name is today. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you've heard that voice call your name. You've heard him say Chet or Sally or John or Susie or Peter. You've heard him call your name. But oh, when Mary sees Jesus, she holds on to him. She goes, I let you go one time, but I'm not letting you go now. But Jesus knows that he's going to ascend to the Father. Knows that she's going to have to live by faith. He says to her, don't cling to me. Mary's so excited. She runs to the disciples to tell them. And at the same time, the two disciples that had walked on the road to Emmaus, they come into the room and then they tell them, Jesus is alive. The disciples, they don't believe. Three eyewitnesses have seen Jesus and they choose not to believe. In Mark chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says they did not believe them either. And at that moment, Jesus comes into the room and says one word that every single one of us need to hear, peace. Peace. Let me tell you why that word is so important because today you can have peace with God. You see, the disciples, they're filled with anxiety. The disciples are are filled with fear. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They're in despair. I would even say they're despondent. The Bible says that when they saw Jesus, the living Jesus in Luke chapter 24, they actually thought he was a ghost. Now, if I was Jesus, I would have said to him, are you kidding me? Do you have any idea how hard it is to walk through a wall? Like, do you know what I did to get to this point? And you, you're looking at me and you still don't believe me? I would have left them there and said, you're on your own. Not Jesus. Because he never gives up. Because he's constantly seeking and saving the lost. And so to those disciples, do you know what he did? He shows them the wounds in his hands and his feet. He tells them to touch him and they touch the scars in his hands that were now healed in his resurrected body. He even ate fish and honeycomb to prove that he had flesh and bones and that he wasn't a ghost. Finally, after he eats, the disciples realize it's the Lord and the Bible says in John 20, verse 20, they believed when they saw and they were glad. Man, it took them a long time to get there. But don't be hard on our disciples. How long did it take for you to get saved? How hard-headed were you as Jesus kept calling your name, as a neighbor passed by and had a smile on their face that was only from Jesus? As someone at work told you about Jesus and you kept pushing him off and not believing, he was showing you his hands, he was showing you his feet, he was purposing to show i'm not a ghost i'm the resurrected lord how long did it take for you to believe but i wonder i wonder if the disciples would have stopped for a moment and just believed when he said let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me three times he told them that he would die Three times he told them that he would rise from the dead. And he did exactly what he said he would do. And when he spoke to them those three times, he spoke to them with a resurrective perspective. And I wonder if we'll hear this sermon once again with that perspective in mind. Listen carefully. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Could we just for a moment look at this the way that Jesus looked at it? Could we look at let your heart be troubled from the resurrected perspective? Because now that you know that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, I've got a question for you. What are you troubled about? What are you worried about? Your rent? Your marriage? Your kids? When Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, he's giving an instruction to give us life. Let me tell you about my God. My son who stood here and prayed over Calvary Chapel, South Bay, I sat over here as me and my wife were in tears looking at each other because we know where he comes from. You see, I believe in the resurrection because my son prayed over Calvary Chapel, South Bay. Do you know who he was before? He didn't follow God. We adopted him as a child soldier. He had done things in Africa that, well, let me tell you something. I can't even explain it to you because there's kids in the room. And for him to stand here and say that Jesus Christ is his Lord, let me tell you something. I ain't going to worry about anything. I believe in the resurrected Jesus, and he wants redemption for all people. All people. You see, because he resurrected from the grave, I don't worry about Anything, Our God is in the business of bringing dead things to life. He can bring your relationship back to life. He can bring your marriage back to life. He can bring your prodigal back home. He can take care of your every need. That's my resurrected Jesus. Why should I worry? Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said this. Listen to it once again from a post resurrection heartbeat in my father. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, now that we know that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, is believing his promises so difficult? It always surprises me when people start telling me about how God has answered their prayer and they say this, you'll never believe this. So you pray to the resurrected God and you're starting your story with you'll never believe this. Of course I believe this. You pray to the God who conquered death. And I wonder if like Thomas, because of our lack of faith, we delay for a week, like Thomas, the opportunity to realize the resurrection that God has for you. Thomas waited a week. It was seven days later until Thomas was able to see the resurrected Lord. And he said, until I see it, I won't believe it. But Jesus didn't let Thomas stay in that place. He showed up and he revealed himself to Thomas, even doubting Thomas. Now, I know you might be giving the disciples a hard time, but let me tell you, the church is no different. Do you remember when Peter was in jail? you remember when the Apostle Peter was in jail in the book of Acts and the church got together to pray, Lord Jesus, I pray for the deliverance of Peter. Peter miraculously gets out of jail. He goes and knocks on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Rhoda answers the door. Ah! Slams the door. Runs back to the prayer meeting. and says, I think Peter's at the door. You know what the church does? Lord, I pray for the deliverance of Rhoda. I pray for the deliverance of Peter. I pray that you'd get him. Rhoda's like, I think he's at the door. We do this all the time. We don't believe the promises of, that God has for us are yes and amen. When the word of God says that every promise that Jesus Christ said is yes and amen. Amen. He says in my father's house, verse 2. Our many mansions, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I want to read this to you in the ESV version. Listen to the question that is proffered. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? You see, now that you know that God has resurrected from the dead, what about his word will you doubt, question, or debate again? Listen, teenager. Listen to the word of God. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now go prove it wrong. You won't. You may think you can. You may think you are the exception to the rule. You can hang out with bad company and you're going to be good. But Jesus makes it very clear by his Holy Spirit, bad company corrupts good morals. Why would you test the word of God who resurrected from the grave? Why would you test that? He says, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Now you're thinking as a teenager, why is my life so upside down? Maybe say sorry to your mom and dad and you will watch it go well for you. Today is your resurrection with your parents and watch how your life will change. Someone in the 10 o'clock service, they shouted amen and I'm like, oh great, you got one too. You see, if you choose To question God's word, you won't live in the abundance of God's word. And so when he starts his word within the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you question creation, of course you're going to question everything else in the Bible, because as the church, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth in seven days. Don't preach evolution to me. And you know why I believe it? Because Jesus rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. You see, He knew that we were going to have troubles in this life. He even said in John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The power of the resurrection overcomes all of our life circumstances. He knows that we're going to have issues, but he's given us his word to follow. Did you see that family picture? I have nine kids. We had a problem, not every day. We had a problem every other moment. And my wife was hilarious. She's hilarious. We would have someone bleeding. We'd have someone with a broken toe. We'd have someone that fell down. We'd have someone in the pool that can't get out. I mean, we had issues all the time. And my wife, she'd just be going, Amazing ways. We, listen, we called it the happy place. You know what she calls it? The power of the resurrection. She raised those nine kids by the power of the resurrection. I'll never forget, my son Emmanuel was a football player. And in homecoming, they were, he was being announced. And he was walking down the football field. And my wife, you see her there, she was, you think she had any issue directing 70 people in the choir? She's been directing people for 28 years at my house, okay? <laughs> Trust me. I told the choir two weeks ago, I go, look, she ain't got no problem giving direction, okay? <laughs> so I love her for it. So, my wife and my son Emmanuel were walking down the, the football field during the homecoming game, and the announcer in front of a thousand people went, Emmanuel Lowe and his mother? It's classic. I loved it. You see, my wife, she was living the power of the resurrection in raising those kids because through the resurrection, you can overcome any problem that the word, that the world gives you. He goes on to say, And if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Listen, if you believe in the resurrection, Jesus who raised from the dead, then you've got no problem with the fact that he's coming again to get his church. You see, he left, he came as a baby, but he's going to come back as a conquering king. In the twinkling of an eye, the church is going to be raptured. And I've got two questions for you. Do you want to be caught doing something? Do you want to be caught watching that video? Do you want to be caught in that bedroom? Do you want to be caught? Let me go on with, no, no, no. Let the Spirit do His work. Do you want to be caught, or do you want to be found serving the King of Kings when He calls the church home? Church. If He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to be coming back for you, then it's time for us to get our lives back on track. Amen? Amen? Finally, He said, and where I go, you know. And the way you know. Disciples, listen. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. See, if you believe in the resurrection, then you believe the cashier at Target needs to hear Jesus because where in the world is she going for the next three minutes? If you believe that you're a disciple of Jesus, then you know the way. And there's a world that doesn't know the way. But you do. You know how to communicate. You know how to tell them. And I want to prepare you even now because I'm a disciple and I know the way. And because of the resurrection, I am more confident of this way than anything else in my life. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And we are so thankful for the cross because of the resurrection. And as we, as believers, would start living the resurrected life, I pray that we would begin to communicate the way that we know. The way to heaven. Now what I would like for Christians to do is to be in prayer right now. You see, I do know the way. And I say it very confidently, not proudly. I say it very courageously and very unashamedly. And if you were brought by a friend, let me tell you something. They brought you to listen to this. So what I want you to do right now, if you brought a friend, I want you to put your hand on them and say, this is why I brought you. This is why I brought you. Because there's a story that I want to tell you on this Easter, and I need to let you know At the 9 o'clock service, there was a 12-year-old girl that came forward and received the Lord Jesus as her Savior and Lord. She looked at me and she goes, wait, i got to go get my mom. She ran to the back of the church, grabbed her mother, and brought her all the way forward in tears. And both of them gave their life to Jesus Christ. So if a 12-year-old girl can be brave enough to put her hand on her mother and say, come down, we need Jesus, then you be a friend right now to the person that you brought and say, this is why I brought you and let me tell you the way that I know. You see, in order for any of you to get to heaven, including myself, we had to be perfect. And I don't know if you know this. None of you are. Just ask your family if you think you are. And if you think you are, that's a sin in and of itself. And I got to tell you something, one of the reasons that I believe in Jesus Christ is that his brother James, his brother who he grew up with, came to believe that Jesus was his Savior and Lord. His mother believed that he was Savior and Lord. If I announced today that I was the Messiah, my sister would go on Instagram and communicate how many times I pulled her hair. The fact that James and Mary, his mother, James, his brother, believed that he lived a perfect life. Let me tell you something. That's good enough for me. And in order to get to heaven, you have to live a perfect life. But none of us could. But Jesus could because he's God. He's the God-man. And so he came and he lived a sinless life. But there's a problem with sin. Sin. Sin brought death into the world. We all have experienced it in some shape or fashion. And death brought separation from God. But God's heart was not that we would be separated. No, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so what Jesus did was he paid the price of sin. He died on a cross. beauty of being God he didn't stay dead three days later he rose from the grave and let me explain what that means he conquered death he's the only one ever that has conquered death so many charlatans have come and said they know the way but none of them have ever risen from the dead but Jesus did Because he rose from the dead. He's the only one that can give you eternal life. So now you've got to ask yourself a question. Do you want to gamble eternity? So many people have said, well, there is no eternity. Tell me how they know. And we believe them. When the God of the universe left heaven, came to earth, and he says, I know. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.